You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. Thank you so much for downloading our latest episode here. One person's trash is another person's dinner. This is all about food waste. And you you may be hearing a lot about food waste and what's going on here. Uh, You should be hearing about it because this is something that we really have to reduce. It's estimated that up to about 30% of food produced in the U.S. ends up in the trash. That's more than 100 billion pounds of food per year rotting in our landfills. But at the same time, we have over 11 million children who are food insecure and go to bed hungry. Okay, like what's wrong with this picture? A lot. So today I brought in my guest, Roseanne Russ. She is a dietitian, nutritionist, and author, and she is author of many books, but I got this hot off the press. Her latest book, it's called Zero Waste Cooking for Dummies, um, and she's going to tell us everything there is to know about food waste, what the problem is, and more importantly, what we can do to stop it. She is an advisory panel member for Bayer Crop Seed. Um, that is the agriculture and seed development branch of Bayer. She is internationally known as an author and a blogger. She consults with food industry. She's got a communication. So she does everything, as you know, and in, in, in the meantime, she's uh, writing books and stopping food waste. So with that, I want to welcome Roseanne Russ too. Spot on. Hello, Joan. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, and the voice may sound familiar because, of course, whenever she writes a book, I have her on. So she's actually um, been on Spot On before talking about, you know, cooking for two or just one, you know, and that was another one of her great books that she gave. Uh, she she let us in because, you know, something uh, we found ourselves cooking more during the pandemic. And sometimes we were just cooking for one, if not two. So let's move to your new publication. I mean, you must have to get a new bookcase in the house with all these books that come out. Like, my gosh. (laughs) There's books everywhere. Yes. Lots of shelves, lots of books. Absolutely. And you know, this book also includes a lot of recipes for two because it's a trend. Small households. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Or people living by themselves are in, in, in dorm rooms or apartments or um, that's right. That's exactly what's happening. So let me, you know, I, I opened this up by saying, you know, horrific uh, statistic about food waste. And, you know, a lot of times, Roseanne, we want to, we want to say, oh, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not food waste. It's the farmer. Farmer is throwing away food that he or she is farming or the food processor is throwing away food or the manufacturer. And really, you and I both know this, that the biggest culprit in food waste in this country is Joe and Josephine on the street or the consumer. So I'm assuming, I'm going to ask you this question, is that the reason why you wrote this book? That is part of it. I mean, it's that whole, those statistics that you shared, that's really why. You know, it's just mind-blowing how much food is wasted. So let me backtrack a little. Consumers are uh, part of the problem. 
it's actually about 40% of the waste comes from households. So there's food loss and there's food waste, which is part of that 30 to 40% um, number that you mentioned. The loss is food that maybe is never delivered or prepared. Um, and that could happen anywhere from field to consumer to household. And then the waste is the food that we are actually just throwing good food into the garbage. And that's that's the problem. Right. That's the landfill food. Right. That's from us. Right. And then that goes to the landfill. Yep. Right. And, you know, I think that uh, it, this is, you know, when I say the, 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 the consumer is the biggest culprit, I don't mean to point fingers because a lot of the times we throw away foods fearful that we're going to get sick or, or, or you know, it, it, it went, quote unquote, bad, which, um, you know, we did a whole episode on uh, called The Dating Game, which was about, you know, what do these dates really mean on the food label? And, you know, just, you know, the sell-by date doesn't mean that that's the date that you have to consume it by and that whole thing. So a lot of this is just, you know, the poor consumer not, you know, wanting to get sick. Um, but but uh, but this book you wrote is phenomenal because it gives you the background on it and then the tips, of course, how to do it. You mentioned something in the book called zero waste. What what does that mean? Zero waste. So, you know, to be frank, that is sort of a trend. Zero waste. We have to go with the catchy title. And you may have noticed in the book over and over again, I mention progress, not perfection. Can we really ever have zero waste? Sometimes that's really not realistic, but we don't want to be throwing good food away and we want to reduce our waste. But if you plan properly, you know, you might be able to get to almost zero waste. So the goal is less food waste. And I kind of, I approach this in a really realistic way. And we're going to talk more about that. And you know that's good. I that's why I like it, this book. It's very common sense, but more importantly, it it, it you know it makes you feel good about anything that you can do. And you know, Roseanne, I know you're Italian, and you know that I'm Italian. And you know, I can remember on Sunday, um, my mother making a chicken. You know, and then we'd have Sunday dinner, have the chicken, and everything. And then you know, while we were cleaning up, that chicken, the you know, was you took all the meat off the bones, and that that became chicken sandwiches the next mm-hmm. day, and soup. And then that chicken carcass mm-hmm. went into the the pot, made the soup. And then if you couldn't make sandwiches with the little scraps, that became chicken salad. I mean, that chicken kept giving and giving. Exactly. And I think that sometimes we've just lost that. And we say, oh, this is not enough for another meal. And we just toss it. And, you know, we, we've all you know done that before. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of going back to, uh, you know, the yesteryear where we, did, we didn't waste food. We, we made meals or soup out of it. And it was sustainable. And you talk a lot about sustainability ability in the in this book so can you can you give us a little um, understanding of that sure uh you know and the reason i wanted to kind of introduce this whole idea of zero waste cooking and reducing your food waste in the book i wanted to introduce the idea of sustainability in the book because a lot of the other titles that i looked at before i went to write this book give the impression that in order to be sustainable you absolutely have to reduce or eliminate your meat intake. Oh, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of focus on, um, you know, a focusing on a plant-based diet and, you know, using scraps and all of the bits. And all of that is fine. It's well and good. 
But I kind of wanted to take a different approach. First of all, I wanted to clear up that eliminating meat isn't the answer to, um, you know, a better climate. uh, And it's not really part of the food waste problem. I just want people to throw away less food. And I don't think that the average consumer is going to be able to think about food scraps and, you know, using every potato peel. That will have an impact. It certainly will be less that's going into the landfill. But I want you to do more with what you have to plan better, to shop better, um, you know, to not put anything into your cart that you don't know how you're going to use it. Because we go to the grocery store, sometimes you're just throwing stuff in there or it looks good. And, you know, God knows all of the seasonal items are always an attractive, uh, appealing stands on the end cap. And we buy things we don't need. And then we never use them. And then they get thrown away. So the sustainability part of it is, you know, you can look to the book for a lot more information about sustainability and agriculture and, Um, you know, some of that data. But when we're moving that to our own kitchens, we want to simply plan better, check and see what we do have, and buy what we need and what we can actually use and have a plan for, and, you know, shop from our pantry and make the most of what we have. And your chicken example is great because that's part of the plan, to kind of have a plan where you're going to buy similar ingredients that you can use all week in different ways, and then it all gets used, it nourishes the whole household, and that's sustainable living. And also when you say, like, shop the pantry, shop your refrigerator before you go, you use your uh, freezer for more than just ice cubes. So in other words, if you have yeah, if you have like a leftover chicken breast, okay, so you can put it up in the freezer and then maybe one night when you're dining alone or when you want to have that for lunch a week from now, you can throw it out and do it. So it's just, don't, don't say, gee, this isn't enough for dinner for two. All right, maybe it isn't. Or maybe you add beans to it or something and put it in a soup and it will become dinner for two, you know? And and so I think that we, we got to say, hey, maybe we can freeze this and and, and pull this out later. Um, for uh, us to use. Yeah. Don't, don't think of those little bits that are left, whether you're cooking something at home or you bring something or you're eating at a restaurant and you think, well, that's not really enough to bring home, to do anything with. You know, I mean, that restaurant's going to throw it away. Right. Bring it home and add to it. Like you mentioned, throw some beans and make it, make a power bowl, throw it into an omelet and make it an omelet. Or maybe the leftover vegetable is like just enough for your side dish for lunch tomorrow. So it's really about that mindset of looking at the food you buy, you eat, the food that you were wasting, and how can you how can you do better? You know, we've, we're all doing this. We're going to the, the supermarket and we're saying, we're looking at the prices of the thing and with inflation, we're like, what? What? How much is that? Huh? What? And and you know and and food inflation is up about seven percent. Um, so I mean that is really I mean so what you know maybe you were spending two hundred dollars on food a couple of years ago. Well now to buy that exact same food if it's up seven percent is going to cost you two hundred and fourteen dollars. Now you start adding that up, that's a big difference in your food bill. So you know it, you're right, freezing little things. Uh, 
and saving them and have small little like appetizers or using them. Or, you know, we go to these fancy schmancy restaurants to get tapas and tapas are these little plates. Well, why don't you have like a tapa night? You know what I mean? Well, you pull all these things out of the freezer and you have these little tapas because they're not enough for a home meal, but you put them together and you have these little um, high priced tapas that you pay a lot of money for. So part of one of the concepts in the book is sort of a leftover makeover. And that's exactly it. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. This isn't about fancy food. This is about making the most of your food budget and eating well. And yeah, taking a little bit of everything and making sort of a smorgasbord. You don't have to just reheat the chicken or reheat the chili. You know, maybe you're going to stuff a potato with it instead or, um, you know, make nachos, make it a little more interesting and make it into something different. So there's lots of ideas to do that. Right. Just keep on thinking it. It's the chicken that kept on giving. <laughs> you have a clever, clever thing in the book. I just loved it. It said be in the book, you suggest taking an inventory, do the kitchen trash bin and refrigerator test. Could you explain to our listeners what the heck those tests are? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, that's sort of the first step for any kind of change, right, is the awareness piece of it. You may not even know or realize how much food you waste until you stop and takes a little bit of time to think about it. So that's step one, you know, open your kitchen trash when it's trash night and just look, you don't have to ruffle th rifle through it, but look in there and what do you, what kind of food is in there that could have been eaten? Or maybe, you know, you did throw away some yogurt that was past its date or sour you know, what can you do about that? How can you plan better? Um, and that's when you then look into that refrigerator. And, you know, refrigerators can be crowded, especially after the holidays or something. You can get have a lot of stuff packed in the back of, of the fridge that maybe you haven't looked at in a while and pull it all out and analyze, you know, how did that happen? Why did you forget about this dish? Why are you buying 18 different condiments when you can't possibly use them all? And, you know, regroup. And that'll save you money in the end. And you're going to waste, waste less food. You know, it's funny you said that because... Do you need a spicy mustard? Do you need a honey mustard? Do you need a mustard mustard? Yeah, it's time to simplify. <laughs> Food is expensive. Couldn't you just take a little bit of honey and the regular mustard and you have honey mustard? If you wanted a spicy mustard, couldn't you just take the mustard and add a little chili powder to it? Like, do we need all these mustards? <laughs> if it's it's a, if it's your favorite condiment and you use it and you, you know, get through it, but, you know, pick the ones that you really like and then improvise with the rest. <laughs> you know, I love that. That I mean, I, it's a little bit like, oh, the trash bin test. But that is very uh, humbling to see what you threw away. And, and more importantly, is like, oh, I threw away all those, uh, all those extra vegetables. Why did I do that? And, you know, and this isn't, a, I'm not shaming anybody into, you know, shame on you. We have all done it. Um, restaurant leftovers. You have to think about it. You come home, you put it in the fridge or, you know, hey, I'm guilty. I have left it in the back seat of the car. And next day, it's not going to be very food safe. So you have to make sure it gets into the fridge. And then you have to 
make an effort to eat it within the next two days, whether you're going to make something new out of it or um, just simply heat that up and have it for lunch. If you're doing like a Chinese takeout and there's leftover white rice, you can do a lot with that white rice. You may not eat it all with, you know, your General So's chicken's gone, but you still have the white rice left. Stir fry it in a couple days with some veggies. Throw some frozen veggies in there. Make a bowl with beans and all the other chopped vegetables that you have in the fridge. And, you know, because perishable foods like fresh fruits and vegetables um, they're highly perishable, and they are one of the top wasted food. So again, when you're shopping, you want to make sure you have a strategy for those fresh fruits and vegetables you buy. But, you know, I suggest that when you really make this commitment to waste less food, you're going to eat more fruits and vegetables because you're going to use, you're going to commit it. You're committed to yourself. You're using that stuff up. You're going to chop it into a bowl or into a salad um, and make sure it gets eaten and not thrown away. Right, because you're going to be, be, be conscientious about it. You know, I have to just, I have to chuckle when you said that how many times that you've gone out to a restaurant, brought the doggy uh, back home into the back seat, and you wake up the next day, and that, you know, the uh, car smells like garlic. You know, and it was, it was, <laughs> the garlic was great the night before, but in the morning, not so much. And, not you know, so much. right, right. And what I do now is if, if I'm driving and there's another per person with me going out to dinner, I make that person hold the doggy bag on their lap. I said, I don't care. You're holding it because if you don't hold it, I am going to forget about it. So on the whole way home, the garlic is on their lap and then I bring it in the house with me. So there you go. So, yeah. yeah. So you have to give yourself those little reminders. Right, right, right. Okay. So you said in the book, um, you know, you know, you have ways to plan meals, waste less, and cook delicious meals. And one thing is budgeting you talk about. So can you explain that? Sure. I mean, everyone has a different food budget. Um, and I talk a little bit about shopping the sales. And you might think of, you know, a BOGO, buy one, get one. And that's good in terms of sometimes you'll get twice of something for the price of one. But if you're not going to use that item you know, then are you really saving money? You're, you're, you might be spending the money that you're throwing into the garbage can, which is, you know, then going to the landfill and creating methane, which is a greenhouse gas. But have a plan. Let's say berries, you know, berries can be quite expensive. So when they're buy one, get one, they're usually in season. So they're delicious. And you get twice for the twice the amount of berries for the same price, throw them in the freezer. Um, and I do want to talk a little bit about utilizing the freezer especially when you're shopping sales, uh, if there's meat on sale or produce on sale, have a plan to have a little bit of time when you get home to prep that stuff, put it into some freezer bags and put it in the freezer so that it doesn't get wasted and you save the money, but that food is available. And you don't, sometimes I think people think, well, the freezer changes the taste or the quality. You know, you don't have to deep freeze this stuff for six months. And the freezer will keep the food safe indefinitely as long as it maintains its temperature. But yes, quality will go down after about six months, but the food is still totally edible. But something like berries, you know, they will go bad in your fridge pretty quickly if you buy a double batch. Just throw them in the freezer for four days or a week. So you talk about when you know planning meals. So you, so basically, it sounds like when you go, you know, to plan your food shopping, is you're going to shop your you're going to shop your your pantry 
You're going to shop the refrigerator. And it sounds like you're going to shop the freezer now because if you're buying, like you could buy a family pack chicken and maybe not use it all. You could be freezing half of it. Um, and then the next week when the chicken's not on sale, you put that, take that out of the freezer and put it in the refrigerator. And now you have, you know, chicken that was on sale last week uh, for this week. Right. Exactly. So it's really using the, um, you know, the, the I guess the, I always say use this uh, store circular like a GS, G, GPS system where kind of like you, you're maneuvering your way through the, um, you know, supermarket. But what about in the supermarket when you see marked down food? Like you see something like maybe chicken and it's 30% off. That scares a heck of a lot of people or beef or anything pork or, uh, or even vegetables. So what, what is, tell us about that. I mean, most of those items are still going to be safe, but they often, you know, they're kind of on the end of the, the rope in terms of being refrigerator stable or shelf stable. So you, those you need to come home and either prepare for dinner that night or package them, put them in the freezer. Uh, and then take advantage of that savings. Again, you have something in the freezer. So those things are still safe. I mean, the grocery store is not, <laughs> they don't want to food poison anybody, right? They, um, you know, they know what those food safe regulations are and they want to move things off the shelves so they can get the next shipment in. So sometimes they'll mark them down. You know, and with uh, food inflation, inflation in general, with food prices going up, if you get something you see 30% off, uh, you're ahead of the game here. Not only did you, you know, reduce it by, by well, the inflation rate, but you've actually went below that. And that's a great way to make your food budget go farther um, than it would. And really, really not only do that, and if you say, oh, you know, I don't feel good about this, but you think about, gee, if you, if I don't buy it, Oh gosh! Well, they where, what are they going to do? Are they going to toss it? You know, and is it going to go to the giant landfill? You know, and so so you think about, gee, I can use this. I'll put it in the freezer, and I'll have it next week. And you know, here we go again. It takes a village to you know to everybody helping out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you know, and maybe you'll change your plan if you happen to be if you have a plan for dinner, but then you spot this uh, reduced chicken or beef. Well, I'll make that tonight instead, and then just go ahead and cook it right up. The other, you mentioned the food budgets, okay? You want to, sh- you're going to shop for what you need and what you're going to be able to use. So again, you're going to save money when you waste less food. If you're putting things in the cart that you have no intention of preparing that end up getting wasted, that's not saving money, even if it's on sale. Then when you get home, the next step is proper food storage. And I have to say, when I did the research for this book, I changed some of my own habits um, based on what what I uh, what I read. So let's go through the refrigerator because I think there's some a lot of common mistakes people make about how they store their food. Some produce should be refrigerated, some shouldn't. And first step is what many people don't do. If you still have access to the appliance manual of your refrigerator, or you can look it up online because everything's online, read that, (laughs) check that out. Every refrigerator is a little bit different, but what they almost all have in common, the top shelf is going to be the warmest shelf. So fresh items like meats and dairy, milk, you don't want to put on the top shelf. You want them to be the coldest or yogurt. 
Some refrigerators might suggest you keep dairy on the door, but the door isn't the coldest either. So you really should be keeping dairy low in the refrigerator on the bottom shelf so it'll last longer. Same thing with meat. The other thing that I think confuses people is you can keep things like juice or sodas on the door, but not milk. And you might keep condiments, uh, jams and jellies, things like that can be on the door or they can be on the top shelf as well. Because it's being open all the time and you're opening it in room temperature. So it's not, it's not the coldest spot. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think confuses people are the fruit and vegetable drawers and where they're putting their fruits and vegetables and how they're handling their fruits and vegetables. So let me just go through a few. Um, tomatoes should be kept on the counter, not in the refrigerator. They're going to last longer on the counter. But if you cut them, like if you chop them up, to put in a salad later, or maybe you slice half a tomato to put something, slices on a burger or a sandwich, the cut tomato you should cover and put in the fridge. But regular tomatoes, no, they go on the counter. You can also keep citrus fruit on the counter. Um, Avocados can be on the counter. And then when it comes to fruit, there are some fruits that emit a lot of ethylene which is a gas that is naturally emitted from fruits like apples and pears, especially. And that gas will will speed up the ripening of other fruits and vegetables. So I know I actually have one. I have a little banana hanger and it has a bowl under it. A lot of people will put their apples in that bowl or their apples with their oranges and maybe with those apples are going to, make everything else ripen faster. And you know, we don't want our bananas ripening any faster than they already are, right? So, you know, put bread in that bowl <laughs> or nuts or something else, but don't put your apples in the bowl with the bananas. So, so in other words, what you're saying is that even if, if you put the apples in the uh, refrigerator drawer, what whatever in there, it's gonna, with yes. it, like maybe kiwis or something, you're going to speed up the ripening. Ki- right. Right. You want to keep the apple separate. So if you have a divider, sometimes you might have two different drawers. You don't want to put your, uh, you know, your lettuce and green beans and broccoli in with your apples. And you don't want to put the kiwi uh, or the berries in with your apples. You want to keep them separated. So berries can go on a shelf. You don't have to go in that fruit drawer. And berries shouldn't be washed before you put them away. If they're wet, they're going to mold a lot more quickly. So berries just go right in the fridge. Oftentimes when you buy, especially raspberries, sometimes blueberries, they'll have sort of that little white pad in the bottom of the package. Did you ever notice those? So those are moisture absorbers. You could even take another paper towel and put it into the box with the berries to to, uh, absorb some of the moisture that they're naturally gonna give off. But don't rinse them until you are going to eat them. That's right. So this way the bottoms don't get soggy. So you got that paper towel at the bottom. Right, right, Ooh, right. This is, this, is, uh, this, is, this is why I'm telling you, everybody that's listening, you got to get this book because it's this, these kinds of tips. And again, based on science that are, are making you, you know, are, are, you know, speeding along um, you know, the ripening of your food or foods that are going bad when you, you don't want them to go bad. And these kind of storage tips are so important so that it will last um, a, 
at last a lot longer. And I love that. That's that's absolutely fascinating. And you know, the same thing with eggs too. You're not supposed to keep eggs on the door either, right? Because the same reason. Uh, yeah, eggs will usually, they should be cold. So they should be like middle shelf. They shouldn't be right. on the top shelf or the door. Right, right. I don't know what the heck's going on the door. I mean, the whole, maybe we should get rid of the door. Get the, <laughs> rid of those shelves and do Condiments, something Condiments, <laughs> juice. <laughs> that's it, that's it. And, you know, and then I, I also want to mention, you know, we were talking about all the perishable foods and how to store those, your fruits and vegetables. Um, let me just talk about the crisper drawer for one more minute. There's that little le- lever. It's low humidity and high humidity, right? So things like leafy greens, broccoli, gr- most vegetables, green beans, carrots, they like high humidity. So you want to make sure that you know those drawer settings do actually mean something and they do actually change. They basically just either open or close a hole in the drawer and then that changes the humidity in the drawer. Now, with that said, let's not forget about our favorite canned and frozen fruits and vegetables. I mean, that's canned and frozen are another great, you know, I call them a food waste warrior because they last longer. They're on the shelf, they're in the freezer. You don't have to worry about them uh, going bad before you get a chance to use them. So, you know, it's about balancing the fresh produce with the canned produce and the frozen. So, so, so you talked about things that need uh, high humidity, you know, because you can you can move that little lever. What would be a produce that want low humidity? Low humidity is going to be most fruit, you know, stone fruit. Uh, those apples and pears want low humidity. Um, the berries, and you don't want to put them together, right? Okay, so low humidity. I got it. Got it. You know, something I can, I I don't even think I've ever used that. The little lever. I see it, but I don't know what to do left or right. And cucumbers too. Cucumbers, I prefer to not put in any of those drawers. Just leave them on a middle shelf. God, you know something? Could you take a picture of the inside of your refrigerator and send it to me and I'm going to put it up on the spot on Facebook page. <laughs> All right. I wanted to sure. see exactly what the heck is going on in your refrigerator. All right. I'm just going to quiz you on three things that uh, how to use up because these things are uh, people t- typically you know, throw out. So you got to, you, you got to, okay, yeah, here we go. lightning, lightning round. round for the bonus. Um, vegetable scraps. What can you do with vegetable scraps? You got maybe a half a cup of vegetable scraps. What the heck you can do with them? And how, how can you reuse them without tossing them? All right. Well, a couple of things. First of all, you can always compost them. Um, I actually just did a TikTok on composting. So that's always an option because sometimes you just aren't going to be able to use up all the scraps. But And then second, you can try to avoid the scraps. So let's say you're going to roast some little potatoes. You can eat the skin. You want to just scrub the skin with a brush and you can eat the whole skin. If you're doing the little baby potatoes, scrub those little things, roast them, you can eat the whole thing. So then there is no scraps. Other items that um, like broccoli and cauliflower, you've got the long stem and a lot of times people just chop the floret off and pitch the stem. I'm all about how things are cut. I like things diced. I like things thin. So take that stem and chop it in some creative way. You can either just do discs and then you can add those discs to a veggie tray that you might just have with dip or they're nice in a stir fry. Um, You can cut them into sort of a matchstick and then they're, you know, nice and tender. The other option, of course, is that soup. 
but maybe it's a Tuesday night and you're really busy at work and you don't have time to make soup tonight plus dinner. So when you get those scraps, like the ends of, you know, maybe a uh, mushroom stem or the ends of the broccoli or the cauliflower, put them in a little container and then just keep those in the freezer or the fridge, preferably the freezer. And that way you're kind of building a vegetable stock scrap bowl. And then on some lazy Sunday, when it's cold out, you can grab that and make a nice vegetable stock out of it. Yeah, that's great. Or even, you know, I, what I call my uh, Jones Algae Blake homemade uh, soup. And that's, you know, two cans of vegetable soup and another can of like tomato soup and frozen vegetables or frozen yeah, scraps in a big pot. you can fortify it. Right. You can fortify it with more veggies by grabbing those frozen chopped veggies out of the freezer. So chop them before you put them in the bin. That way it's all ready to go. And then other fun ways to do some things. I actually have a cocktail and mocktail chapter in the book, you may have noticed. So things like maybe you peel a cucumber to to make a salad. You don't want the peels or you're using lemon. You can take the rinds and then soak those in a little vodka make a little cucumber vodka and use them as a garnish for cocktails. So that's another fun way to use them. Good. I love it. I love it. What about uh, stale bread? Oh, so many uses for stale bread. And this is kind of interesting too, as I was coming up with, you know, my list of recipes and, and thinking about the things that I often make, I started thinking about how many, classic recipes were probably created as a way to not waste food and save money. Um, you know, the, putting what comes to my mind like, is croutons, right? Croutons is the sure, first thing that comes uh, to my exactly. mind. Exactly. Croutons, French onion soup. So breadcrumbs or stale bread, of course, you can make breadcrumbs and they will last. You can just put those in a food processor, grind them down. You want your bread to be nice and dry. So if it's a softer bread, you might want to, even though it's stale, but not stale enough, you can throw it in the oven on 200, let it dry out a little more. And then that makes a nice breadcrumbs. You can keep those breadcrumbs in the fridge and then you can bread fish or chicken with them. You can add them to meatloaf and so forth, anywhere you would use breadcrumbs. Uh, Eggs are another kind of food waste warrior in my book. And uh, the classic strata, is a great use for stale bread. You know, you just slice the bread, put the bread slices in the bottom of a pan, scramble some eggs with some seasoning, and then pour that over the bread. And you can add vegetables or some chopped meat, whatever you want to that, a little cheese, bake it, and you have a, you know, your bread is revitalized and you've got a nice brunch or breakfast dish. Or French toast, right? Of course. That is, you know, again, that was created because, hey, we have this stale bread here. What can we do Guess with what? it? <laughs> I can see my mother stale bread. Guess what's dinner tonight? French toast. Okay, Absolutely. that's what I'm having. And lastly, real quickly, yogurt. How do you use up? Oh, gosh, yogurt looks like it's been here too long. I want to use it up. How would you use it? All right. So yogurt and sour cream both, uh, you know, you mentioned you have an episode about those best buy and use by dates. And... You know, there's milk can go, there's a difference between souring and being completely expired where it's food, not food safe anymore. So if the yogurt is, you know, a day off, you can certainly still bake with it. You can, you know, mix it into a cake mix or make a cake, muffins, all of that kind of thing. Um, But again, with dairy, you know, it will expire. So you want to plan for it. 
You know, you want to take a look at how much you use and how can you use it? You know, how can you buy the right amount so that you will use it all? I will tend to buy, uh, I like plain Greek yogurt and I tend to buy more of that because that way I can eat it, you know, with fruit and granola or something in the morning and I can just sweeten it myself with honey or fruit. And then I can also cook with it and I can use it where sour cream would be used. I can use it in a sauce and then it, it goes a little farther. It's more multi-purpose. Right, because it's plain and you can add things to it. You can make it spicy, right. you can make it sweet. So there we go. All right, I definitely want that picture of the inside of your refrigerator. Right. And we're going to put that up <laughs> on the spot on the Facebook page. But again, um, I can't thank you enough, Roseanne Russ. She is the author of her, her latest uh you know, uh, nutrition book and cookbook. And she's the author of Zero Waste Cooking for Dummies. And uh, so many great ideas. We learned so many already. And I'm going to really go home and, um, you know, kind of figure out, rearrange my refrigerator and make it uh, work for me. So I want to thank you again for all your tips and your nutrition advice and health thank advice. Thank you. I so hope I've inspired you. people to think about what they buy and how they use it and get more for their money and waste less food. That's what it's all about. Thank you again for being on Spot On. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?